Welcome to the Parkway Fellowship Podcast. We hope that God speaks to you through this message from Pastor Will Tucker. Good morning. We're glad you're here. My name is Will Tucker. I'm the small groups pastor here at Parkway Fellowship. We're glad you came out on this winter day as we begin spring break. Um, hopefully that will end. If you are traveled here to find warm weather, I hope it will show up soon. So, um, let me tell you a little bit about myself. When, when I was back in high school, I, w- I was considered the good kid. I was a kid that was super involved with the youth group. I mean, one of my best friends was the youth pastor. And, you know, at church camp in the summer, I was often voted for the servant leadership award. And, you know, I was that kid that you would let, let date your daughter. Oh, who are we kidding? I've got two daughters. Nobody's ever going to date them. So, um, but you see, I had a little bit of a problem in my life. I had an addiction that only my closest friends and fam, not family, my closest friends knew about. And this addiction was to Snoop Dogg. Now, this, this ended up catching up to me later in life, uh, or, not, or a few weeks later, actually, after I had begun in, infusing this stuff into my mind. And I went on a youth retreat because I was the good kid. Uh, with my youth group. And it was a Friday night. And I, I remember I left my car at church so that my dad would come and pick it up, take it home. So it wouldn't sit there all weekend. We were going to come back on Sunday. Well, Sunday he comes back and he drops my car back off at church. And so I get my car to go home and I get in there to start it up. And I find this sticker on the steering wheel and it said, Will, I have your Snoop Doggy CD. We're going to have a conversation when you get home. I remember thinking, good night, I cannot believe I left that in the CD player. You know, should I flee the country or should I go home and face the music? Well, when I got home, my dad and I entered into a long conversation with his massive Bible open the whole time. And he began to share with me the concern he had of the lack of holiness in my life and the direction I was going and the ripple effects it could have. Now, after he began telling me that, I remember one thing in particular that really stuck with me. And he said, Will, could you imagine if your younger sister was hearing this music? You see, my younger sister is five years younger than me. And she was often riding with me in the car two places. I took her to school every day. I take her to activities. She just kind of was like tagging along with me a lot. A lot of places I would go. And the problem was, those ripple effects had already begun to take place. You see, I was comparing myself with the culture around me. And remember, I was considered the good kid. I wasn't out going partying and all that stuff and just listening to a little rap music. Um, But I was listening to that when she was riding in the car with me. She was five years younger than me. You see, I had allowed this little bit of unholiness into my life and I was already starting to have effects on my sister. Well, I immediately, when we finished the conversation, went up and found my sister and I apologized to her. And I can remember the relieved look on her face because she was really beginning to get concerned about me in the direction I was going because she knew that I was the good kid. And so I told her, you know what, look, I'm going to get rid of that stuff. And I went out to my car and I got rid of all that music. And, you know, it's pretty obvious that there were some missing pieces of my faith at that moment in my life. And, and that's what this 
series is all about missing pieces in our faith because we often compare ourselves with the culture around us. And when we do that, pieces are going to go missing. And we're going to talk about a lot of things this, this next few weeks that are missing in our faith that we see in God's word that are very strong in his word, but sometimes we don't see them in our culture today so much. We're going to look at things like the missing piece of sacrifice, the missing piece of trust, the missing piece of the awe of who God is. I mean, where is the awe of God today? We're going to look at stories of God powerfully moving back then and find where are those stories today in our lives. And when we do that, we're going to close the distance between us and God and more accurately reflect what it means to be a follower of Christ. So this brings us to our topic today. Where is the holiness? Now, before we can go on, we've got to understand a little bit about what holy means. You see, Bible scholars define holiness as the chief characteristic of God. Holiness means separated from what is unclean and dedicated to what is pure. You see, God is completely holy in every way. And he, that holiness separates us from him because, let's face it, all of us have a little bit of unholiness or maybe a lot of unholiness in our lives. And God can't be with something that is unholy. So what did God do? He sent his son to this earth to be holy for us because we couldn't do it. And so he gave us this perfect picture of holiness through his son. And think about the holiness of Christ when he walked on this earth. You remember how he was fully dedicated to God? 100%. You mean, I mean, you remember how oftentimes he would leave his apostles and he would go be by himself and spend the entire night praying, talking to his father, re-energizing. What about that time where he spent 40 days in the wilderness fasting when he was preparing to launch his ministry? Or what about the time in the garden just before he gave his life for us when he said, Father, not my will, but your will be done. You see, Jesus was 100% holy in his dedication to the Lord. He was also 100% holy in the way he interacted with the world and loved all of us. You remember how he held no grudges. He, you know, fully sacrificed himself for others. He was selfless. He was full of empathy and forgiveness. He was 100% holy in all he did. So if you want to know what holiness looks like, look at Jesus. He's the perfect example. Now, as Christ followers, we've been called to live that holy life also. Get your message notes out here, and we're going to look at a passage from 1 Peter. Now, Peter is one of Christ's apostles, and he tells us what this holiness is supposed to look like as Christ followers. It says, But as he who called you is holy, talking about God, you also be holy in all your conduct. Now, I want you to underline that part, all of your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Now, God's call to us as Christ followers is to be holy in all of our conduct, not just part of it. And listen, we all have areas of our life where we're holy. I mean, think about the Speak Up series that we just did. I mean, you guys were amazing. But don't we also have these little areas where maybe some unholiness is beginning to creep in? I mean, we could name a few. Is it the TV shows that we watch? Is it the music that we listen to? Is it the extra flirting with a coworker that seems harmless? Or maybe it's the things we look at on the internet. Maybe it's the jokes we laugh at. Or 
the unchristlike rants we join into on social media. You see, when I was filling my mind with that filthy music, it began to bleed into my thought life, into my language, into my view of girls, and into my influence on my younger sister. The danger is that when those unholy parts begin to take over our lives, they begin to bleed into the rest. Now, I want us to look at a story from the Old Testament that you're, many of you are very familiar with. And this story comes from 2 Samuel chapter 11. It's the story of David and Bathsheba. And I want to look at how a little bit of unholiness began to creep into David's life and drastically have an impact on the rest. It says, in the springtime at the time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. They destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah, but David remained in Jerusalem. One evening, David got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of the palace. From the roof, he saw a woman bathing, and the woman was very beautiful. David sent someone to find out about her. The man said, she is Bathsheba, the wife, the daughter of um, Eliam, the wife of Uriah, the Hittite. Now, let me tell you what happens next. You see, David sends for her to come. He sleeps with her and then sends her back home. Later, Bathsheba sends word that she's pregnant. And David thinks, oh no, my sin is beginning to catch up with me. But he devised a plan. So he, he invites Uriah back from the battlefield so he could inquire from him how things were going in hopes that Uriah would then go home that night and sleep with his wife. Then he could send him back to battle. Problem solved. But you see, David underestimated the loyalty of Uriah. And Uriah wouldn't go home to be with his wife because he knew what his men were going through out there on the battlefield, and it just didn't seem right. So David had to devise another plan. He sends Uriah back. He sends a message to Joab, the commander of the army, to put Uriah at the front lines. And when the battle gets very fierce, to pull back from him and allow him to be killed. Well, David's plan worked. He then took Bathsheba, to be his wife, problem solved. All he had to do was to kill one of his best and most loyal men to cover up his sin. Do you see how the unholiness was now spreading deep into David's heart? Where did this unholiness begin to creep into David's life? You see, David let down his guard when he decided to stay home and not follow his call to lead his people. But was it really that unholy for David to stay home and take a, take a battle off? I mean, good night. He killed Goliath. He'd done all these other things and won so many battles. Could he not just rest a little bit? Or was it really that bad to go out and walk around on the palace roof and enjoy the scenery? But when he saw Bathsheba, did he look away? Was it inherently unholy to ask Bathsheba to come and visit him, maybe have dinner? But where did that lead? You see, it was unholy when David slept with her. And it was unholy when he had her husband killed in an attempt to cover up his sin. David's blindness to the unholiness that was completely taking over his life should be a warning to us all. You see, how could a man after God's own heart fall this far? If it could happen to David, it could happen to any of us. Which brings us to the question of the day. How do I place the missing piece of holiness back in my life? Here's your first fill-in. 
The first thing we have to do is to intentionally infuse holiness. Intentionally infuse holiness. 1 Peter 1.13 says, Therefore, preparing your minds for action. I want you to underline that. Preparing your minds for action. And being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. How do you prepare your minds for action? You see, what you spend your time and energy on is exactly what's going to come out when the stressful times hit, when the trials hit. You think back to me when I was in high school. I was filling my mind with that filthy music. And what do you think came out when stressful times would hit? As the saying goes, garbage in, garbage out. Now, what about you? How do you intentionally infuse holiness in your life? We've got to make commitments to intentionally infuse holiness. Praying in the morning before your feet hit the floor maybe is what you need to do. Maybe you need to have a commitment to reading a chapter of the Bible before you start your day. Or maybe you need to listen to Christian podcasts or sermons in the mor- on your morning commute. Maybe you need to commit to attending your small group every time it meets for the rest of the semester. Or maybe if you're not in a small group, you need to join one. Or maybe you need to commit to perfect attendance for the rest of this Missing Pieces series. The list could go on and on, but you get the point. Where there's unholiness creeping into your life, we've got to replace it with something God-honoring, something holy, to prepare our minds for action. Now, the second way to place the missing piece of holiness in our life is to firmly set boundaries. You have to firmly set boundaries. 1 Peter Peter, um, 4.14 says, As obedient children, do not be conformed. I want you to underline that. Do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. You see, Peter's talking here about not conforming to our old ways before we were Christ followers. You see, if I don't intentionally set boundaries in my life, it's very easy for me to slip back into some of those things that I used to do. Think about it this way. How many of you have ever had one of those invisible fences for your dog? I had one back in the day, and, um, you know, you have to go out there and lay that wire around around your yard, and then you go out and you stick all these little white flags way back here, away from your fence, and you begin to train your dog. You got to put the shock color on and start training them to go up to that fence or up to those, those flags, but not to go beyond them. Because, see, you don't want your dog to walk all the way up to that line and then cross over and be out in a very dangerous situation where it could get hit by a car or be tempted to steal your neighbor's chickens. Some of you know what I'm talking about there. Now, we have to set firm boundaries in our own life way back here so that we're not tempted to walk right up to that line and maybe cross over and find ourselves in a dangerous situation. Think about David. What kind of boundaries had he set in his life on how he interacted with other men's wives? His boundaries were non-existent. And what about my life? What about the boundaries I'd set? You know, I needed in high school to have a boundary that said, I'm not going to listen to any music that has that parental advisory label on it. What about you? What boundaries do you need to set in your life? Maybe you need to set a boundary like one that we have here at the park. For all the staff that work here at the park, we have a boundary that says, 
a man and a woman, members of the opposite sex, can't go out to lunch together or have private meetings together. There's got to be at least three people present in those, in those kinds of situations. And we do that because we highly want to protect our marriages. It's a very serious thing. And maybe you need a similar boundary in your life with the way you interact with your coworkers. Or maybe, guys, you need a boundary that says, I'm not going to have more than one beer when I go out with the guys to watch a ball game. Or maybe you need to refuse to enter into those political rants on social media that's driving a wedge between you and your family and your friends. Or maybe you need to stop watching that TV show that's all about deception and killing and infidelity. I don't know what it is for you, but you know. And I think right now, possibly the Holy Spirit is touching your heart and you're like, I kind of know the area in my life. I need to set some boundaries. But all right, maybe, maybe you're here this morning and, and you're sitting here thinking, I don't even know where to begin. I, I've got so many things I want to change about my life. I don't even know where to start. And maybe you haven't taken that first step of asking Jesus to take over your life. Because you see, Jesus came to be completely holy because he knew you couldn't do it. He did that for you and he wants to help you live that holy life. So maybe that's you today. Maybe you need to look down at the bottom of those message notes and you're going to see a prayer there. It's a sample prayer that maybe you need to ask Jesus to take over your life. Stop right now and do that if that's you today. Now, the third way to place the missing piece of holiness in my life is to give people permission to hold me accountable. Give people permission to hold me accountable. Now, I want to pick back up with the story of David in 2 Samuel chapter 12. At this point, God sends Nathan, a prophet, to confront David in his sin. It says, the Lord sent Nathan to David. When he came to him, he said, there were two men in a certain town, one rich and the other poor. The rich man had a very large number of sheep and cattle, but the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb that he had bought. He raised it and it grew up with him. And his, uh, he raised it and it grew up with him and his children. It shared his food and drank from his cup and even slept in his arms. It was like a daughter to him. Now a traveler came to the rich man, but the rich man refrained from taking one of his own sheep or cattle to prepare a meal for the traveler who had come to him. Instead, he took the ewe lamb that belonged to the poor man and prepared it for the one who had come to him. David burned with anger against the man and said, Nathan, as surely as the Lord lives, this man must die. He must pay for the lamb four times over because he did such a thing and had no pity. Then Nathan said to David, you are that man. Over the next six verses, Nathan tells David the consequences of his sins and the ripple effects it was going to have on his family. Then listen to how David responds in verse 13. Then David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Nathan replied, the Lord has taken away your sin. You are not going to die. You see, David had given Nathan permission to hold him accountable in his life, to the commitment to follow the Lord and lead his people. And praise God, David accepted that call on his life. And what about for me? My dad held me accountable. And I'm so thankful that I had that kind of relationship with my father where I trusted him and he led me by example and still leads by example to this day. And I'm so blessed. But when he came to me, 
with that concern and that accountability, because of the life I saw him living, I knew that I was in, in deep water and I needed to change my life. And I'm so thankful that I responded the way I did back then. So here's what I want you to do this week. After you make a list of how you're going to intentionally infuse holiness in your life, and after you make another list of how you're going to set some new boundaries in your life, I want you to go and find someone that you're close to, that you trust. And I want you to give them permission to hold you accountable to the commitments that you've made today. I don't know who that is for you. It may be your husband. It may be your wife. It may be your small group leader, maybe a mentor or a close friend. But it is vital that you do this, that you find someone to hold you accountable. Give them permission and share that list with them. Take it seriously. I'm telling you, it will be such a blessing to your life to have people in your life that will speak into it the way that Nathan did for David, the way my dad has done for me over the years. And can you imagine what life will be like when we do this? And hey, let me, don't, let me, let, don't let me forget this one. Parents, God has given you permission to hold your kids accountable. Just like my dad held me accountable, don't take that lightly. Make sure you hold your kids accountable for their actions. I'm so excited to see what God is going to do in our lives and hear stories. You know, there's a lady that I've become friends with that's in our small group, and she was sharing with our, our small group this last week, and she said, you know what? A couple weeks ago, I had a friend that said, hey, I want you to try something. I want you to stop listening to whatever music you listen to. Not that the music she was listening to was even bad, but she said, when you're going to work and things, I want you to listen to only Christian music for one week and just see the impact it has. <laughs> this lady, she began emailing our small group songs that were touching her heart, and, and then we began sharing it with each other, and the ripple effects began to take place in our lives because she was infusing holiness and setting boundaries, and then holiness was spreading to the rest of us. Can you imagine if we allow holiness to be the ripple effect that comes out from our lives rather than the unholiness. Would you bow your heads? Let's pray. Ask God to take over today. Father God, you are worthy of our praise and honor. God, you are so holy. Father, I don't know what's going on in the lives of everyone in this room, but God, I know that you know and you love them. And God, may, may you use this message this morning to touch their hearts. God, help them to open their lives up to you. God, help us all to intentionally infuse holiness in our lives. God, give us wisdom on where we need to do that and how we need to do that. God, give us wisdom of how we set boundaries. And God, give us wisdom of who we need to ask and give permission to hold us accountable. Father God, thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to share your message today, God. God, may we all submit to the things that you've shared from your word today, and may we be touched and changed forever because of it. God, and bring us back here next week to learn more about the missing pieces in our faith. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. For more information about Parkway Fellowship, find us online at parkwayfellowship.com. You can also download our mobile app for access to the most recent messages, video content, and much more.